Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I use science, spirituality, and play to help people relax into their true essence so they can experience more ease, joy, and abundance. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Oh my goodness. I'm in a funny spot right now, you guys. I'm so much is brewing. I've been in massive creation mode and yet nothing is ready to tell you about right now. So hopefully there will be some announcements at the start of next week's episode. And that did remind me of, I was just looking at some of the quotes from this, this conversation with Christina. And one of the things she says is the universe never wastes anything. <sighs> this for me is, is such a great reminder. And it's such a good reminder of the fact that when we think something is for us and then it turns out to not be for us, it's because something better is coming. I had a funny little example of this today. I had a tri kit I thought I wanted, which now a step back, I'm like, no, I didn't want it. I wanted, it was a like this, but not this. And, and the universe knows that for me. So I went to, I was like, oh, I'm going to order this. And I went and my size was out of stock. And I was like, at first I was like, huh? Oh, okay. I guess that like, and I got that initial flash, flash of frustration, but then the recognition, oh, cool. There's something better coming. I'm not in charge of the timing. I have no idea when that something is better. Something better is going to come, but I do know, I do trust. I've been watching. I've been living. I've been observing this for a little while. I know that something better is coming. Okay. So this week's episode, this conversation with Christina Lopes, it's so good. You guys, Christina has a background in physical therapy, and then she had this spiritual awakening that led her to becoming a heart alchemist. She's just like, she's my kind of person. If you're a regular podcast listener, she's your kind of person. This is a good one. It is juicy. It's going to make you think it's going to make you wonder. It's going to just spark all sorts of sparkly goodness in your brain and body. And I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please share it with other people who will love it just as much, if not more than you do. And please remember, always remember you are a miracle. You are amazing. Go forth and be awesome. Christina, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you, Kelsey. It's awesome to be here. I am excited. so extremely curious about where we're going today. <laughs> That's always fun. Those conversations when they're just spontaneous. Yeah. I know that wherever we go and wherever we end up is going to be absolutely perfect for us and whoever is listening. So let's start out with your story, please. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are right now? Yeah. So, um, so right now, uh, I, I guess my role is as a spiritual teacher, um, a life coach, if you want to call it that. I don't like to use that term as much, but um, spiritual teacher. Can we pause there already? Because I want to know why don't you like to use that term very much? (laughs) I think because um, 
I think because I've heard from so many people, you know, I've worked with over 2000 clients already um, and thousands and thousands of people that I connect with um, on, on my YouTube channel, a pretty large and growing channel. And um, there seems to be a lot of, I think the life coaching industry um, a lot of times kind of has been welcoming people that aren't very good at what they do. And I think also because there's not a lot of, um, there's no way to kind of measure uh, results and measure um, how good people are at what they do. And so um, a lot of people can call themselves life coaches and not necessarily um, are in the field to truly help people. Yeah, there and is. And I've been an finding that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I am a certified professional coach. And so technically mm -hmm. I am a life coach and I don't like the, I don't like the label either because yeah, anyone can call themselves a life coach. And then the idea of what a life coach is, is that it's somebody who tells you what to do in your life. And I have no desire to tell people what to do. There is an accrediting yeah. body, but no one, the consumers don't know that. So they're not going to ask, yeah. oh, do you have your ICF accreditation? So, um, yeah. I'm with you and I that. think too, for me, I think too, for me, um, I probably veered also away from using the term life coach because, um, really my niche is in spirituality. So I help people, um, not, not more in that kind of mainstream life coaching focus, but I really help people more in the spiritual, like that's, that's really my niche. That's really my understanding. And my passion is, is going into spiritual truths and, and helping people that way. And so just the, the term spiritual teacher, um, feels better to me. Um, so that's what I am now, but I actually, I kind of went into woo-woo spirituality not too long ago. Uh, I started coaching in 2014 um, and I had a sh complete shift in careers. So I used to be a physical therapist. So I come from a clinical background uh, with a specialty in neuropediatrics. And then in 2013, my life kind of fell apart, which is generally what happens to a lot of us when we have a spiritual awakening. Sometimes it has to be through significant loss and significant pain. And that's what happened to me. And my life literally fell apart. And I just remember at the moment thinking, okay, you know, the way that I've been living my life up until now hasn't worked very well. So now I'm going to open up to things that I already had inside of me, but I was really scared to explore. And so I just opened the doors and I was like, fine, you know, uh, clearly my life hasn't worked out so well. So now I'm going to do it differently. And that's where the shift went into spirituality. Um, very deep dive into spirituality. I, I actually might, I come from a long line of women that were uh, shamans or witch doctors, if you want to call it that, at the, at that even though that term is a little bit scary. Uh, but I come from a long line of women that that were already kind of spiritual therapists in their time. And, and I knew I was born without those sensitivities. I had a, I suffered a lot as a child because of those spiritual sensitivities. And that's one of the reasons I had closed the door to this stuff. And so, uh, so 2013 came along and I was like, well, that didn't work out so well, you know, trying to, I think the big lesson there for me is, is that when you're born with gifts and talents and passions that are imbued in you, that your soul just wants you to have, it's never a good idea to shut the door to them, whether you were born to be a concert pianist or you were born to be an athlete, those, those talents need to be expressed. Otherwise, you, you know, your life's going to fall apart in one way or another. Um, and that's what happened to me, really. So we're we're here. <laughs> we're here because and, of it. And here we are. And this is really interesting. Um, I started out as a marine biologist. And then in 2013, I started coaching school. It's like total mm -hmm. career shift. And while well, there was some personal training and 
uh, triathlon coaching in there as well, group fitness instruction. And cause I'm a manifesting generator and then mm-hmm. the switch into coaching and then the like growth into more and more spirituality. I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And what you talk about is shutting the door to. Yeah. When I, my journey was once I started coaching, I started meeting all these people who were deep into spirituality, opened me up. And they kept saying to me like, Kelsey, you're the most intuitive person I know. And I was like, what? Or I'd have like an intuitive reading and they'd be like, you can do this too. And I was like, "Eh." (laughs) like, okay. And I had just started opening up to that. And finally, when I learned my human design, learned that my biggest gift is it's the gift of the psychic. It is that I'm super intuitive. And for me, that is absolutely what I shut the door on hard. I remember the day I slammed that door shut and said, I do not want to know anything anymore. This is freaky. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. It'll always come back to you, right? Like life will always, life will always invite you. Sometimes, sometimes it's an invitation. Sometimes it's a, it's a push. I think it's always an invitation. It's just like (laughs) some invitations are super gentle and friendly and others are, I'm going to shove you off a cliff. Don't worry. You will fly. It just might not be until you're right above the ground. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's definitely what happened. Have you heard about, um, that people, there was kind of a wave of, of, I don't love the word healer necessarily, but it's what I'm going to use here right now. A wave of healers that kind of wake, woke up around 2013, 2012, 2013. And then there's a later wave like 2017. And then there's the like 2020 surge. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting that it's like, I think we both started waking up at the same time in that earlier yeah. wave. Yeah. And it's going to get faster. You know, the energy is accelerating a lot on the planet. And I, and I think that, you know, awakenings are now going to be faster also because the people that awakened before are helping to create the tools and, and, you know, the lessons and the guidance for others to come along. So, so that it makes their journey a lot, a lot faster. You know, a lot of the stuff that I do when working with people really just comes from my experience and having to, to have done that and have healed that in myself. And then, you know, I create tools and, and then others can, can, go through that healing process a lot faster, but it also has to do with the acceleration of the energy on the planet. Everything is getting much more accelerated. The frequency on the planet is, is just going up and up and up. And that means that things shift a lot faster. Your energy can shift a lot faster. So an awakening now takes a lot less time than it used to. And, you know, there's, there's always a positive with that because that means that you don't have to be dredging through the mud for years and years and years like we used to. Um, so there's a positive to that. The flip side of that is that when in highly accelerated energies, when you're having an awakening, it could be a really abrupt ride because everything's moving so quickly that you have to, you're moving through healing quickly. You're, it's almost like you, you, sometimes people tell me that they feel like they can't breathe, like they can't catch a break, you know? And so that's the flip side. You have to have really a lot of resilience to be able to, to go through awakenings right now at the speed that they're happening on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are getting the word that's coming through is whiplash from it. It can be very Mm -hmm. jarring. 
And I, I am curious and we don't have to dive into your, your chart right now, but I am curious if you have gate 36, because that is the gate of going first Mm. and it's, we go first through things so we can guide others through them. Mm-hmm. I have that. It's really, that and it's, it's the path, it's the path of the shaman too. Um, I have a lot of, a lot of land shaman energy in me that that's, you know, becoming more and more ingrained as I work with more people. Um, and, you know, now looking back, being more in my energy, in my natural energy now and looking back, I can kind of see, you know, exactly why I went through things and the need to have gone through things. Um, so that's, that's probably the spiritual path that I most identify with at the moment. Um, is that kind of shaman's, uh, you know, a shaman's path. Thankfully, mine didn't take as long as, as usually a shaman takes. It usually takes about a, a minimum of 10 years for, for a shaman apprentice to become a shaman because they just have to go through a lot of stuff. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, I think and I've been apprenticeshipping for a while. That's another thing that's in our human design chart is there's the channel of the shaman, which mm-hmm. is interesting as we are talking today. Um, we all, it, it's partly opening up for all of us. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, a, I'm a life path seven too. So that's, do you know a lot about numerology? I cannot retain numerology information. Tell us please. <laughs> what does a life path seven mean? <laughs> so a life I know path one. seven, uh, cool. Um, life path seven is, uh, it's the number of experience. So, so someone that has a life path seven, you can't come up to a life path seven and say, look, I've done that before. And it turned out this way. And it's, there's a lot of things written about that in books, look, read the books. And so, and a life path seven will look at you and go, I don't care what's written in books, or I don't care what you went through. I have to go through it. And so it's the path of experience, direct experience. And so the life path seven tends to be a good teacher because they have to go through the experience and then, you know, they, they don't really teach from soapboxes. Um, the life path ones, um, those are life path ones. So number one, numerology, um, has to do with beginnings with, with, you know, not just beginnings, but individuality also. So it's the path of, it's the person that, that needs to stand on their own two feet, um, that may walk with other people, but they have to be in their power. So they can't really like, can't be leaning on people they're they're walking with their power so one's a really powerful number it's a master number that's interesting too because what you described you're a one three in human design and that's your three line is learning through personal experience you don't know anything until you try it yourself it's like the person who's like try this it like it tastes really gross try it and you literally have to try it until you know that it tastes really gross And for me, I'm a four, six. And that six line is that like walking on my own with others, but on my own in a, Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's the authority figure and it's something you grow into. Interesting. Thank you. Thank you for explaining numerology in a way that I might remember. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I want to back up two things. One Did you, was it your actual, um, like biological family that had this shaman, shamans and witch doctors in it? 
Yeah, yeah, it's my my on my maternal side. So um, my maternal grandmother and even before her, her mother also, uh, but especially my maternal grandmother. So my maternal grandmother was actually the only person that could help me as a child. <laughs> when I was a child, I just had all kinds of things going on. And, and I remember that the uh, I didn't even know what was going on with me at the time. But the only time that I felt that I ever felt any type of relief as a child, I had a lot of things going on in my childhood. I had a very traumatic childhood but the spiritual things going on I felt so many things there were you know energies that bothered me I was really harassed by spiritual energies and the only time that I ever felt at peace was when my maternal grandmother would come to visit and she would perform her blessings that I had no idea what she was doing at the time um, but I knew that after her doing that blessing on me I felt better for at least a week I'd be I'd feel a lot better and so it wasn't until later on that I started to talk to her more and understand, you know, what she was doing and where she came from and her tradition. And so it was really interesting. She told me a lot of stories about like, you know, being kind of called the village witch, but, you know, on, on the one hand being severely criticized because medicine women, uh, you know, in those, in those ages and those generations, they were, they were on the one hand, they were severely criticized, especially if there was any kind of religious background, you know, if they were in a country that, that was strongly religious, they were heavily, heavily criticized. And, um, but on the other hand, when something went wrong, everybody always came to ask them for help. So it was this really interesting dichotomy that she still talks about today because it, it was very wounding to her because on the one hand, she was sort of ostracized from society on many levels. But on the other hand, when something was wrong with someone's family, they would come to, you know, to ask for her blessings. And so it's, it was very, very interesting. She still talks a lot about that. And so, you know, it was kind of her blessings when I was a child that really helped me. And then later on, when I had my own awakening, I, that's when I really started to understand that this had been something, uh, you know, it's not just present in me, it's present in, in a, a few of my, of my grandmother's daughters also uh, explored in, in different, you know, some of them like to explore it, some of them didn't want to explore the gift, uh, but present in women, in the women of the, of the family, really, which is interesting. That is very interesting. So you yeah. were born into this family of this, I want to say like spiritually strong women. And then you decided to become a physical therapist. How'd that happen? I did. You know, to this day, I don't really know why the decision to become a physical therapist, where that came from. I think just intuitively, I have always been a healer. And that for me was a really, at the moment, um, I could have been maybe a physician or a vet. I remember thinking about, I wanted to go into, into vet school because I love animals so much. So, but, but regardless of what the top choices were, they always involved healing professions in one way or another. And I think maybe partially looking back now at the time, I think those choices had, had a lot to do with me being in a caretaker role um, early on in my life as a child. My father was very ill. And so I dealt with disease since I was born, basically, um, until a teenager. My dad passed away except when I was 17. And I think that was probably imbued in me. It was it, that caretaking role is already something that I knew how to do. And so my subconscious mind was just like, yeah, let's go into that. But I think part of why I went into science um, was because I wanted to close the door to the things that I didn't want to feel. And so I, it, 
to me at the time, reinforcing my left brain and just going into the logical thinking and going into the science and going into clinical work was easier for me than saying, you know, I have this, but I have no idea how to explore this or what even to do with this. And I'm scared of it and I don't want nothing to do with it. So I think it, it was both, both of these things happened. Have you read The Awakened Brain? I can't remember the author's name right now, but she's a neuroscience studying spirituality and finding all the brain regions, all that Mm -hmm. basically she's done the, the research to back up everything we already know. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. No, I haven't, I haven't read that one. I, I do. I did read Buddha's brain. Um, that's another great, great book recommendation and a stroke of insight. Have you read that one? Jill Bolte Taylor. I haven't read one. that. I haven't, I've oh, listened to so amazing. many conversations with her, but I have never read that book. Her Ted talk is amazing. I yes. think it's one of the most watched Ted talks. It's I think pretty it incredible. Is too. The book is cool. The book is really, really cool. It gives you an inside view also on kind of what's going on in the brain. And uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Cool. Okay. So you become a physical therapist and then you also got your master in public health, which for me feels like you stepping more into your like, okay, yeah. wait, I'm here to, hear, here to heal like all the people. How can we all rise up together? Am I just like imbuing that with my own... <laughs> bias or what led you in that direction? I think, um, you know, I've always been an eternal student. I'm like an eternal student, voracious, voracious learner, love, 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 love constantly to learn. And I remember that I think the MPH, um, so I got my doctorate in physical therapy. I practiced for quite a while. Um, I practiced for almost a decade. Um, and then I started to feel, I think at the time I was so blocked, that I, I wasn't really seeing clearly where my soul wanted to go. And so I started to feel probably, I would say five years into my practice, I already knew I didn't want to do that anymore. And it was really frustrating for me because I had spent so many years in college, um, you know, and it had been a long path academically for me. And so I was, you know, a clinician supposedly doing what I went to school for. And then I wasn't feeling, I really wasn't feeling passionate. I knew I wanted to do something else. And so the, the idea of what am I going to do again, the spiritual part hadn't, hadn't come on the radar yet. I was still very much, Oh, I'm just going to continue to, you know, left brain, left brain, left brain. Um, and so the MPH, you know, just kind of came, it was, it's an interesting story because the MPH actually, um, it was a total, total to this day, I, I giggle because it was, a, that's typically, that, that is what I call the typical ego move on my part. And it was, it was, uh, I was married at the time. And I remember, um, my ex-wife was just this brilliant, uh, consultant. And I remember that, you know, being next to her, I started to feel very, very intimidated and I started to feel very insecure and I started to just crumble. And I said, okay, you know, so Christina's ego goes, how are we going to feel better about this? Okay, well, we're going to, we're going to get another degree. We're going to get some more initials after our name. And I remember that I applied to an MBA, MPH, which looking back now, like, why would I want to go to business school for what on earth was I thinking? But it's really interesting to go through the go through the path and what I was thinking at the time. So I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go, you know, do an MBA, MPH. 
And, um, you know, there's a test that you have to take for the MBA, the, the GMAT. And I remember that I had never had any trouble whatsoever with any, you know, like always a top student, great grades. And then suddenly the GMAT comes along and I fail miserably. And talk about, talk about pain to the ego, right? And at the moment, I remember this moment, I applied to MBA and PH programs, it, dual programs, all the same. And I get a letter from, uh, from Hopkins. And I got a letter saying, you know, you didn't get into the MBA portion, obviously, because my GMAT sucked. Um, but congratulations, you got into the MPH program if you'd like to consider it. And I remember forwarding that email to my ex-wife and her response was, you know, uh, babe, you just got into the top MPH program in the world. And that was all my little ego needed. <laughs> <laughs> that was all my little ego needed. So there I go, $80,000 later uh, for another degree, <laughs> just to make my little ego feel better. And, you know, it's, I have a lot of compassion for that version of myself. I was really suffering a lot. I was in a lot of pain and I was just grasping for anything to stay afloat. Um, so what was I going to do with that MPH? No idea. No idea. Because my life fell apart actually right as I was finishing the degree. So I never actually used it. Um, oh, that but is now, sassy you know, now I, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. And I look back and, you know, a, a really interesting thing happened. Um, and, and this is what I tell people all the time that, that the universe never wastes anything. Don't worry that the universe, the universe never wastes anything. And, and it's, it's been absolutely true of my path. So when I first awakened, I was like, all right, I'm going to throw these damn degrees away. Like who cares about this? I'm leaving this life behind. I'm leaving it all behind. And then what I started noticing is that people connected with me more because I came from that scientific academic background and I was bringing spirituality and science. I was bridging them together. Um, and that made people trust me more. There was just this bridging of science and spirituality. And so I just started to smile because it ended up, I, I still use my degrees, right? Like I still use that. Um, and so nothing, nothing was wasted, but it was an interesting journey to get from there to here. Well, from your human design as a manifesting generator, yes, we, we are, we respond to everything. So the universe sends us things like, Hey, how about getting an MPH? And you're like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then you go and do it. And it's like, no, 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 you're not supposed to like work in public health. Mm -mm. You just needed to learn that stuff so you can use it in what you're really, truly supposed to do. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely what happened to me. Yeah. We just pick things up. Like we're not here to dive super, super deep into things, mm -hmm. pick them up. We get them pretty quickly and then move on because we need those tools and we don't know what we're training for, but we're always training for something. <laughs> exactly. So back to the present day. You've got, so you've got this physical therapy degree in your back pocket. You've got your MPH in your other pocket. And then you've got this open-hearted spiritual teaching practice. What is it? If you had to like distill it down into a single message, what do you want everyone on the planet to know? that there's so much more to life than what we live in the day to day. And that 
you know, we've come and we've decided to incarnate at a time of great change on the planet where literally all of our armor can come off and all the bullshit that we tell ourselves can come off and that just everything can fall and we really can live on this planet more aligned with what our soul wanted in the first place. Um, and so I guess, you know, distilled into one into one sentence, really what I do is I help people accelerate through that process of spiritual awakening. Um, it's happening to everyone really uh, on, on, you know, it's happening to everyone in different, different ways, I guess. So when we look around the planet and there's so much chaos and there's so much, especially, you know, from when the COVID pandemic hit till now, there was a lot of reshuffling of energy. And so when, if, if you look at the news, you'd say, oh my God, you know, the world is totally falling apart. This is like, you know, but if you look at the news and what's going on in the world from the place of a spiritual teacher or from a, a deep spiritual understanding, what's happening is really an awakening. It's just that awakenings for some people look more violent and more chaotic than for others because there's a lot more to, to break through. Um, but we're all going through these transformations. We all are. And so there's, there's so, in fact, you know, thousands upon thousands of people reached me during those COVID, during those lockdowns. I just had a huge, huge uptick in people watching my videos and, and people reaching out and emails. And, and it was because that COVID pandemic was really an awakening moment for a lot of people. They're stuck in their houses and they're thinking, what the heck, you know, like, wait a minute, I'm stuck in my house. I don't like my job or I don't like my partner. And now I'm stuck in the house with them. Uh, I don't really like my life. What am I going to do? And it was really that moment of kind of shaking things and awakening things. And, and that can be really really stressful and very, um, so many people reach me saying that they feel completely confused and lost. Like they have no idea what to do because their entire universe, the little box that they made for themselves crumbled. And when our boxes crumble, at first it may feel like, yay, I'm free, right? Like I, I just got out of of a cage, even though it was a cage that I built for myself, I didn't know better. So I made this little box and I made this little box of my identity and my job and what my life is supposed to look like. And it felt good in this little box. And then suddenly the box is disintegrated. And so a part of me feels really excited because I'm free. But then the other part of it is it could be scary to be free. <laughs> a lot of people say they want to be free, but it's, it could be frightening to be free because then the next step is on you. And then the next step is on you. And the next step is on you. Nobody else to blame, nobody else's fault. And so freedom sometimes can be very, very stressful, um, especially when you're used to living in a little cage or in a little box. Um, and so people reach me a lot when they're in those, those, those stages. And so a, a lot of the work that I do is just to help ground them you know, just, just to help calm their nervous system down because the nervous system is probably the system in the body that gets most hammered during a spiritual awakening. Um, and so a lot of my work, especially recently has been, has have to do with a lot of grounding. Um, you know, the energy is already changing, let it change on its own. We don't need to, you know, we don't need to do any more acceleration than the energy itself already, but now it's a lot more about just grounding, you know, breathe, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Christina, you told me before we started recording that you have eight defined centers in your human design chart and you have an open route. And I told you that you're literally here because you are going to feel that, that root energy, other people's root energy so strongly 
you're here to like show us all what it means to have an open route. People who have a divine, a defined route like me are grounded in trust in life. Mm-hmm. People have an open route are always seeking that groundedness. And mm-hmm. here you are guiding people into how to get grounded. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Especially now, you know, especially now, because the, the, the way that, that the awakening is occurring on the planet, we're, pe- we're being pulled upward a lot. And so the grounding now is more important than it ever has been before. Um, and, and that's, that's a, that's been a big shift for a lot of spiritual people because a lot of spiritual people reach me too. And, and these are people that are already very experienced on the spiritual path and they feel totally ungrounded right now. And then they're surprised because they're like, wait a minute, I've been doing my spiritual practices for 20 years. Why am I not being able to ground now? And then they start to get anxious and then they freak out. And it's because we've never been pulled up the way that we're being pulled up now. Um, and so that means that, you know, the, the taller the tree, the deeper the roots. So taller those branches go, the deeper those roots have to go down. And, and I think it's just that's where where we are right now is is learning to go deeper and deeper in that grounding. Mm, so what kind of things do you recommend for people to help us get grounded? Um, I, I especially um, tell people to focus on the calming of the nervous system at first. Uh, because if you try to ground, so there's a ton of grounding practices that, that work really well. Take your shoes off, take your socks off and, and do what's known as earthing. Literally put your feet on the dirt and walk around on the bare dirt, not on a cement ground, not, not on, you know, not on tile or anything like that, but literally on the dirt. Um, as soon as you do that and you start to just the, the, the plantar area of your feet connects with the earth, you will immediately start to feel more grounded, put your hands in the earth. So sometimes I tell people, you know, to do the, the, the hands and knees position in their backyard and just literally sink their hands into the dirt. Um, that's another way to ground. You can ground at the hands, not just at the feet. And so there are common practices like that or deep breathing exercises is, is another uh, grounding exercise, pounding your feet on the ground, dancing, tribal dancing, drums, um, all great. Um, these are all great techniques. But if your nervous system is very, very agitated, grounding, those grounding practices sometimes aren't enough. So so I add, you know, and this is where probably the, the physical therapy uh, component comes in, um, especially I've been I've been having these deja vu moments. I used to work with uh, children with autism back in my clinical days. And it's really interesting because the techniques that I use now to kind of help myself ground are the techniques that I used to use with my kids with autism. So one thing that works really well is um, I used to wear, I used to use weighted blankets with my children with autism. They responded really well. So I'd put a weighted blanket on them and that just the weight on their body would help them ground immediately. So I actually recommend that to clients now is just go out and get a weighted blanket and put that on top of you. Um, squeeze. So deep pressure works very, very well with children with autism also. So just squeeze deep, deep pressure. The more that you can add pressure to your body, your nervous system starts to calm down. Uh, Deep breathing, humming is another thing that works really, really well. Um, So your vocal cords are innervated by one of the largest nerves in the body, the vagus nerve. And as soon as you start humming, it'll immediately activate the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is, is the most important nerve of the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's your nervous system that calms the fight or flight down. And so the more that you activate the vagus nerve, the more your body calms down. 
So I use a lot of humming, um, just touching your skin. So self-massage. So I ask people to get some almond oil and just start massaging their body, uh, squeezing at the joints when they get to the joints. So these simple body focused techniques will really start to calm the nervous system down. Another great thing that works with the nervous system and especially working right now with ascension symptoms is to hyperhydrate. So the majority of us are completely dehydrated. We don't even know it. And the more dehydrated we are, the more, the, the faster our heart beats. So we go into tachycardia and the more our heart goes into tachycardia, the more likely the, the, that sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight starts to kick in. And so the more you hydrate, you lower your, your heart rate and your body just starts to calm down more. Um, so I, I kind of am recommending these simple, um, you know, very body focused things to, to really calm the nervous system down. And then when you do that for a while, then you're grounding your normal spiritual grounding practices, like what I just talked about, you know, the earthing, the, the, you know, putting your hands on the ground, uh, chanting works really well, uh, meditation. It's really interesting, but there's, there's been a, a, a change into meditation in, in Western minds, right? Like meditation has been introduced into the Western world and now it, it meditation is everywhere, right? Like even the top universities are studying it. But what's really interesting is that we're in a phase right now spiritually where a lot of people can't meditate. And they, they tell me, you know, like I sit down and I try to meditate, but my body is a mess. I'm shaking. I, my mind is going insane and I just don't want to sit there and listen to my mind go crazy for an hour. So I don't want to meditate. I just rather go into my garden and plant some flowers. And so it's really interesting because even the practice of meditation isn't can at times not be grounding, especially if we're focusing on types of meditation that are more Eastern in nature, where we're kind of transcending the body. There's the huge, huge spiritual tradition of transcendence of the body. And what I'm telling people now is it's wonderful to transcend the body, but we're also here to, to live spiritual lives within the body. So it's the, the practices now, if you're going to do any meditation, make sure it's a body focused meditation and not a meditation where you're up in the sky, you know, trying to commune with angels or whatever you're doing, trying to get out of your body, because that's just a form of bypassing what's happening. And so, so if you are going to do meditations, I recommend very grounded meditations where you are checking in with your body. You're asking your body how it feels. You're focusing on your breathing. You're just focusing on how your body feels and what it's telling you. Those more grounded meditations, they work much more than a, than a traditional mindfulness meditation at this moment. Mm, yeah. Good old fashioned body scan. It's delicious. Works um, well. I just, I love, I mean, everything you're saying is totally my jam. These are all the things that are part of my regular non-negotiables. And I'm thinking about like, as you're talking about earthing and just bare feet on the soil, I'm curious, like your time as a physical therapist, like, yeah, get out of those shoes. So our feet can actually do what feet are meant to do. So our feet can be flexible mm -hmm. and strong and carry us around as they're supposed to do. I yeah. see it yeah. coming yeah. up in every word you said, it, it was a really beautiful interweaving of body and spirit. 
Yeah, I, I still I still use my clinical practices a lot, especially especially recently. I would say within the last couple of years that the energy has intensified a lot more. Just the practical body focused uh, um, activities that I used to use as a clinician are definitely coming in into the spiritual toolbox, also yeah. for sure. Yeah, well, because as you said, like there's a lot you you can't open up to the spiritual side of things. You can't connect to the spiritual side of things if you can't connect if you can't be in your body. Well, that's recent. That's actually recent. And, and it, it's really interesting because the majority of spiritual traditions on the planet have been traditions that are um, masculine energy dominant. So the masculine energy is the energy of going out there, seeking, going out there, doing. And because the majority of our religions and, and our religious traditions have been founded by men where women weren't, you know, that feminine energy wasn't allowed to come in and contribute as much, the majority of our spiritual traditions are still um, masculine dominant. And so that's why we ended up with a lot of programming and a lot of beliefs around how the body is impure, how we need to get out of the body, how we need to atone for our sins. There's a bunch of stuff that we got templated with. And so now, as a part of this new awakening, we're now coming into a more feminine energy. And the feminine is all about the body. It's all about the feeler aspect. It's all about contracting and going down versus expanding and going up. And so the more that you connect with this internal feminine, the more you understand that there's never been anything impure about your body. There's never, thing, there's never been anything impure about you. You don't need to atone for anything. You were not born with any original sin that you need to atone for. You were born perfect. And, and so now that we're going more into this energy, now people are starting to realize, wait a minute, Oh, I get it. Okay. I was trying to emulate, you know, the traditions of, you know, when a person's enlightened, they're just supposed to go meditate in a cave and disappear forever from society. No, that's a masculine energy dominant tradition. And we don't have to do that to be enlightened. We don't have to leave our bodies to be enlightened. Enlightenment is found right here in these 40 trillion cells that every day communicate with you and actually keep you alive. There's, there's source energy. There's God in that. And so you don't have to go anywhere to find a God or a source or a universe, whatever you want to call it. And so that's a shift. And that's a shift that's still very, very recent, you know, and it's a shift that, you know, if people come, I work with a lot of people that are coming out of religious templating and they're, they're becoming spiritual, but without the religion. And it's one of the most difficult things for them to go through is, is being able to shed all of the templating and the beliefs that they've had put on themselves about, you know, how to use this masculine energy, how to use the feminine energy, what does it mean to be on this earth and what does it mean to be spiritual? So, but it's a very interesting uh, transition that's very recent very, that, very recent. This is all so fascinating. I never, I hadn't seen that. Thank you so much for shining a light on that. It reminds me of, I recently heard of this Native American parable that said around this time, well, up until now, the bird has been flying with one wing, the, the, the masculine wing, and it's only been able to fly in circles. And now it's able to extend its feminine wing and therefore it'll be able to fly up and it'll be able to fly forward. And yes, here we go. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's, it's a transition that takes a little while for us to, to learn, um, especially because we not only have to reintroduce ourselves with the feminine. When we talk about feminine and masculine, we're not talking about men and women. So we both, we have yin and yang energies within us, whether we're men or women um, or, you know, um, or don't, or we don't ascribe to any gender at all. Um, so those energies are already within us. Um, and the, the challenge now for us is we need to heal the wounded masculine because that masculine, that masculine that's been, that one wing has been doing a lot of things on the planet. And whenever an energy is unbalanced, it usually creates chaos. And so we've been in thousands of years of masculine energy dominance. And so that masculine has to be healed within us, within all of us. We all carry the template of wounded masculine energy. And at the same time, we have to reawaken the feminine that's been suppressed for thousands of years. And so we're having to do this at the same time. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not an easy, sometimes it's not an easy, um, an easy task because I ask people, you know, people tell me all the time, what the heck is feminine energy? Like, I don't even know what feminine energy is. And it's an interesting conversation because we're the only faces of the feminine that have been allowed to continue even through masculine dominance have been the face of the mother. That's still accepted. The face of the wife is kind of accepted, but we don't talk about the other faces of the feminine. The feminine has many, many different energy streams. And, you know, we don't, we don't usually feel comfortable with what's known as the sacred prostitute archetype of the feminine, which is that part of the feminine energy that feels comfortable in her sexuality. She doesn't feel shame. She doesn't have anything to be to apologize for, for being a sexual being. And so it's really interesting because then when we start to go into those energies and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I don't like that. I'm just going to stay in the mother energy because that's pure, you know. Um, and so we're having to work through all of that wounding and all of that shame and all of that suppression um, and bringing that feminine into her full power, which is, I mean, this is the central creative force of the universe is feminine energy. Feminine energy is the womb that holds all of creation. And so it's a powerful energy but you got to be able to let her, let her rise. And I remember the first time I started to work with feminine energy it was frightening. It was frightening. And I, and I, and I felt the moment that my inner masculine was like, um, okay, this is too much. <laughs> Can't do this too much. I'm going to, I'm going to repress and I could feel that within me. So it's a balance that we're all, that we're all learning to, but we have to, we have to learn because the energy is shifting towards more feminine dominance. Uh, the, the energy on the planet has shifted to more feminine dominance. So we have to learn how to work with it, with her for sure. What does it feel like? What does feminine energy feel like? Feminine energy can have so many different facets. So at the same time that it can be an energy that is soft. So, so the East uh, Taoism, for example, talks a lot about the feminine as being soft, as being tender. And, and again, because those are the only facets of the feminine that were allowed by societies back when Taoism was, <laughs> was created. But yes, the feminine can be soft and receptive. The feminine can also be warrior-like. So if you look at the goddesses of India, like a Kali or a Durga, I, I love to talk about Durga as, as a, a kind of exemplifying what feminine, a different vein of feminine energy. Durga is a warrior goddess and she doesn't ride on a horse. She rides on a tiger. <laughs> so if you've ever seen an image of Durga, 
or Kali is the, the, the destroyer of demons. And so these are also facets of the feminine. So you compare a Kali to a mother Mary and you look at these two figures and you say, oh my God, they couldn't be more different, but they are both in, in incarnations and, in, in, and embodiments of feminine energy. So to me, when I look around, I think that the shift towards a feminine dominant energy on the planet, this was already going to come because, you know, the, the universe evolves kind of in this pendulum, especially down here on earth where we live in a reality of duality. And so that the, the pendulum swung into the masculine for thousands of years, and now it's inevitable that it has to swing into the feminine because a pendulum must always swing in equal proportion before it balances in the middle. We're not at a time of balancing yet. Um, and I think for at least the rest of our lives, we're going to be in feminine dominant energy. So we have to learn how to work with it. And the feminine to me right now means doing less. So doing less, but going further, which is interesting because that seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Yeah. We're used to the hustle, hustle, do, 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 to-do list, tasks. I got plans, you know, especially, you know, especially those of us that are templated with the American mindset is very much still a hustle culture. And this is one of the reasons why the U.S. is struggling so much internally, because this masculine templating is no longer being supported by the energy of the planet, which is feminine dominant. And so the feminine says, God, why are you, why are you doing so much? That makes no sense. You know, like slow down and I promise you're going to go further. And for people who are templated with a masculine energy, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. How can I slow down to speed up? But that's literally what's happening. And the image that I like to give for people is, you know, just think of yourself in the ocean, you got a surfboard, and you've got this huge, huge wave coming your way, right? And if you jump on that board, the wave itself has an enormous amount of energy that it's going to take you. So you just get on the board, do your thing to stay balanced on the board, and then let the wave do the rest. And that's very, very true of what's happening to the energy when you work with feminine dominance. Do your part. So you're not going to lie on the couch for the rest of your life and let life pass you by. No, do your part, but then also know that the universe provides and the universe has this enormous wave that's helping you, um, that's helping you go along the way. And, and it's going to take you much further than you ever can by hustling. Hustling will not work anymore. People will burn out. Happened to me. You know, I'm an example of that. <laughs> I well, wait, that's such a good example of your one threeness. Yep. Been there. I tried it. I tried it. It didn't work. And let me tell you about <laughs> it now. Um, but I love that description so much. So what I'm hearing you say is that to really step into this feminine flow requires a whole lot of trust. Whole lot of trust. And, and really it's, it's a, um, it's trust, but it's also coming back into what Buddhists call the, the beginner's mind. It really, really is that beginner's mind. It's literally you saying, I know I've lived life a certain way and I know I have my to-do list and I've hustled and I've been told that, you know, in order to be successful, I got to do and do and do more. Okay, I have that within me. I accept that that's a templating that has been passed on generation to generation. But I also know that there's a new energy on the planet and I'm willing to drop everything that I've previously learned and I'm ready and willing to start from scratch. This is frightening, but this is really liberating also. 
And so the beginner's mind right now, especially for people, you know, there are some people on the planet that already have intuitive connection with that beautiful feminine, because that feminine is a dominant energy within them. But the majority of us have been templated with masculine energy, even if we're women, again, no gender here. And so coming from that heavy masculine dominance of action, doing, 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 hustling, hustling, moving, moving, moving to wait a minute, how else can I create my life? What are you telling me that now I only need to do one thing versus the 10 things I did before in previous energies? And I'm going to do one thing and I'm going to go further than I did in previous energies doing 10 things. That can't be true. That can't be true, but it is. <laughs> it is. It really, truly is. Yeah. Oh, and that got a mouth breath. Um <laughs> That's funny. So in human design, my digestion type and my cognition type are called taste. And when I feel that something is true, I will take a mouth breath. So you got a mouth breath. (laughs) Those don't always happen here on the find your awesome podcast. (laughs) Christina, I want to keep talking to you for hours. We got to wrap this baby up soon. This has been so fun. Thank you. So what much. are we missing? What, what else needs to be in this episode? That's a good question. I think we covered a lot. I think, I think probably if there's one parting message that I have to leave for people, it's, it's, you know, reinforcing the need to learn how to work with that feminine energy and to please slow down that is, that is just, you know, the energies are very intensified. They are very chaotic right now, both astrologically and just in terms of the whole vibration of the planet. And so right now, just remember that we cannot keep doing things like we used to. So the hustle culture must change. Otherwise we are going to get sick. We're going to burn out. We're going to have physical diseases and we are not going to be on this planet as long as we'd like to. Um, and so what I, what I'm kind of cautioning people is just please slow down, open up to learning new things, open up to learn, relearning how to live down here. That's literally probably the, the, to summarize this whole conversation is that we're in a place where we really need to relearn how to live down here. And it's exciting, but a little bit challenging. It's always challenging when we have to get out of the comfort zone and do new things, right? Learn new things. It's, it's a little bit challenging, but exciting, right? Like exciting that we can actually live on this planet in a completely different way, in a more harmonious way. We just have to learn some new skills. Yeah. Oh, and just be a beginner over and over and over again. Beginner's mind. Yes. Yes. This is also delicious. Thank you so much. How You're can people welcome. learn more about you, work with you, learn about your retreats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably the easiest way that people reach me is through my YouTube channel. So you can just go on YouTube and and type in Christina Lopes, you'll find my channel right away. Um, And if you're interested in coming on retreats or doing any of my online courses, you can just go to my website, christinalopes.com. Um, and you'll, you'll see that we have, you know, we have yearly retreats that we do. Um, there's a yearly coaching program. I don't work one-on-one with people anymore. Um, but I have a premium coaching program that just wrapped up. Actually, we open up every February. Um, and so that's always a lot of fun. So people can find, can find me on my website also, but probably start with YouTube. Uh, There's, there are hundreds of videos there and, and a whole like 
database of, of different topics for people to start with. That'd be great. Mm. It's all so yummy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having this You're conversation welcome. with me. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with the audience. I love what Thank this you so adventure much. I brought us. It. it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you want to learn more about Christina, head to christinalopes.com. If you want to learn more about me, head to kelseyabbott.com. And if you love this episode, please share it. And please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give the Find Your Awesome Podcast a five-star rating and a glowing review. I appreciate them all so much. But what I'm really excited about is doing the work with you guys, having that one-on-one magical transformational connection. So if you are interested in working with me in this life altering way, that is one-on-one coaching, head over to KelseyAbbott.com, find the coaching page, or just send me an email at Kelsey at KelseyAbbott.com. And let's talk, let's talk about what's possible for you. Let's talk about what working together is going to look like and let's make some magic and now go forth and be awesome.